Amen. Let's give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Um, good reminder for those of you in the house. Um, in our weekly email, we do send out the set list so that if you want to listen to what we'll be singing on the, the coming up Sunday, you can listen to those songs. You can learn them because without the screen, without anything to see the words and when we gave it to you, but it will, it will help you out if you want to check out the music prior to this Sunday. So you make sure, the one, you get revved up and excited about what we'll be singing about on Sunday, but you can also learn the music as well so we can be prepared to sing together. But we're improvising because the Lord is good and he's uh, still faithful. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. And for that, we can give thanks and we can sing praise. Turn with me and your copy of God's word will be in Nehemiah chapter 9, um, finishing the end of, of chapter 9 and jumping into verse 10 here this morning. Again, in the book of Nehemiah, while you do that, I want you to think about this. If you were to look at your life right now, how would you measure your level of fulfillment? Looking at your life right now, how would you measure the level of fulfillment in your life with zero being no fulfillment? There's no fulfillment in your life at all. And maybe you drag yourself out of bed every morning. You dread each day that comes up, you open your eyes and say, oh, not again. There's a movie called Office Space, and at the beginning, the lead character um, is, is someone that he expresses to somebody else. He's like, um, every day is the worst day of my life. So each day you see me, this is the worst day of my life. Can you imagine something like that? So that's zero, that's level zero fulfillment in your life. Uh, just oppose that with a 100. If you're a 100, you're in complete fulfillment. You're uh, completely filled up. You continuously live on purpose. You're making a difference for yourself and others in your life. And, and you are encouraged and you want to encourage your family and other people in the world. That's level 100. Like you're firing on all cylinders ready to go at any moment of any time. If you look at yourself, you look at your life today, where would you put yourself? 100, praise, praise God for that. If you're zero, you don't have to say nothing. And hopefully by the time we leave here, we get you revved up. But from zero to 100, think to yourself where you are on that scale. What is your level of fulfillment in your life? Your fulfillment in life is, is actually tied to your purpose. So if you, you look at your fulfillment, wherever you are on that scale, know that it's tied also to your level of purpose. So when you're aligned with your purpose and you operate within it, you'll find more fulfillment. When you know what your purpose is and you're operating, you're aligned with it, what you'll see is that it connects with your fulfillment. So what is your purpose? A lot of people go through great lengths to find purpose and fulfillment in their lives. They, they travel the world, they, they learn different trades, they do different jobs, they move from one job to another, hoping to get to that, that title, 
that 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 uh, uh, take home pay. They're looking for that right opportunity when they can say, I, I've made it. I've done it. I've gotten everything that I want to. Some people take it even further by using various drugs so that they can achieve this enlightenment. They, they do various types of meditation or things of that nature. But I'm here to tell you that all those things miss the mark. The, that chasing after the perfect job, the, the perfect title, the perfect take-home pay, the enlightenment that people are seeking through drugs and other things, they all miss the mark. People spend years trying to find themselves, searching for happiness and, their, and searching for their purpose, trying to fulfill this God-sized hole that is within them. And they search for everything, try to fill it, except for the one thing they actually can. Now, the Bible is very clear. The Bible is clear on what our purpose is is Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, had everything that you can dream and imagine. And he discovered that all the stuff is useless. He had everything that you could dream up and imagine. He had what we would call worldly success. But here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. He says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. It's King Solomon. He had everything imaginable. Anything that you could hope or dream of King Solomon had it. According to worldly standards, he made it. He, he got it. He was sought after. People wanted to be around him. He had all the money. He, he had a, a plethora of other things. And people often say today, man, if, if I just had that higher paying job, uh, everything will be all right. If, if I just had a, a bigger house, Fine. You know, if I just had the right friends that would be around me and encourage me, if I just lost a little weight, then I'll be perfect and everybody would want to be around me. But Solomon says, I had it all and none of that stuff mattered. What matters in life is where we honor God with our thoughts, our our lives, and, and we keep his commandments because one day we're going to stand before him in judgment. When you stand before God, it won't matter how much money you made. When you stand before God and it's time for judgment, it won't matter how many square feet your house is. It won't matter how many famous people that you know. Your plastic surgery won't matter at that point. The only thing that would matter is that you know God and that you obeyed him. That's the only thing that's going to matter in this life for the next. It's that we know God and that we obey him. 
Psalm 17 and 15 says, As for me, I shall behold your faith and righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. You see, we are to glorify God and love him forever. Psalm 86 and 9, all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Romans 11 and 36 says, For him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. How about Psalms? 144 and 15, blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessing, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. And finally, Philippians 4 and 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. You see, in order for us to find fulfillment, we must be aligned with our purpose. And our purpose, again, is to glorify God and to love him forever. And that requires your commitment to him. The title here this morning is, What is the Depth of Your Commitment? What is the Depth of Your Commitment? Unfortunately, people today, they fear commitment. This is counterintuitive, but the lack of commitment also leads to the lack of fulfillment. So if you are not feeling fulfilled in your life, one, you're not tied to your purpose, and two, there is possibly and probably a lack of commitment in your life. Our text this morning follows the public confession of the sin and of, of Israel, and they enter into this covenant and agreement. If you remember earlier in, in, in chapter 9 in the book of Nehemiah, they just ran down all the ills of the people in Israel, how they continuously fell short time and time again, how they continually, even though God had brought them out and had showed them so much grace and mercy and had been there every step of the way, they still chose to go their own way. And rightly so. They, they came to the Lord and they repented of all those ways that they have transgressed. They have gone against God. They chose their own way. And now after that, that public confession, now they come and say, Lord, we're going to do better. Not, now we're not just going to say this with our own words. We're just, we're going to make an agreement with you. We're going to make a covenant with you that we will follow you with our lives. Look with me in Nehemiah 9 and 38. It says, because all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. You see, the Levites, they ran down all the wickedness in their past, and they asked the Lord to forgive them. And this is us, isn't it? As we go through our own lives, we're not perfect. And sometimes we like to act like we're perfect. And that's why a lot of people don't like church folk, because church folk walk around like their, their stuff don't stink. 
Church folk act like they got it all together. Thumping their Bibles. I don't, do people really thump their Bibles? Maybe they did back in the day. But Christians are known as Bible thumpers. Like, do you, do you know what this thing says? And people look at us like, do you know what that thing says? Because we want to walk around after acting like we're holier than thou, but we don't live like the Christ we say we follow. So here they go through and lay everything out as we should how we've transgressed against the Lord, how we have sinned. And a lot, most of these are not an accident. People are like, well, it's just an accident. It's just a white lie. We want to explain things away. No, it is sin. It's a trans, trans, transgression against a holy God. And we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to beg for forgiveness. But that's not enough. We need to turn away from those things. The churchy word repent means you, you, you change your mind. You, you're going one way and you change your mind and go in the other direction. So instead of following ourselves, following our flesh, we, we turn away from those things and follow God. Follow what he has asked of us to do. And this is what we see here. They, these people here, the Israelites, they're now in the process of turning away from their sin and turning to God. They are so serious about following God and being obedient to him that they put the promise in writing. You see, a covenant is an agreement between two parties that specifies the requirements for at least one party, and it includes a blessing and a curse for obedience or of the future. So here we have this written covenant of faithful loyalty to God. It was signed by 83 folks, including civilians, rulers, priests, Levites, and other teachers and leaders. This is how serious they were. They've been so far away. They have strayed so far, but they, they, they realize and remember how good God is. They say, because you've been so good to us, the least we can do is get to know you better and to do what you've asked us to do. And so we're going to put this down in writing. Look with me in, in chapter 10, verse 28. Jump forward a little bit. Chapter 10, verse 28. It says the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his statutes. This is more of a a general promise here that they were going to walk with God and walk in his ways. This covenant goes on to outline the specific requirements from the law that they are committed to. They're going to they're follow 
so that um, uh, the, these issues of, uh, if you look at the Old Testament law, there's issues of marriage, there's issues of observing the, the Sabbath, there's the temple tax, there's the offering, there's so many things that are written in God's law, and they pluck them out and, 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 and write in this covenant how they are going to be committed to following those things. They're going to be committed to following God and what he's asked of them. At this time, the people were still under the Mosaic Covenant. And these particular things, these laws, directly applied to them. For us, fortunately, on this side of the cross, we're no longer under the old covenant. We are under the new covenant, under grace, as is written in Romans 6 and 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Some people, some other sects of religion will have you believe that um, we are still under the old covenant law, but disregarding that it's the blood of Jesus that has fulfilled the old covenant law, and that puts us now under the law of grace. If you think you can satisfy all 613 laws of the Old Testament, have at it. Be my guest. Try as you might, but fall on your face you shall every step of the way. And even if you did 612 of them, you fail the whole law because you missed one. You can't do it. That's why we need a Savior. This was to show us that even on your best day, you could not live up to the standard that God has set before us. So as we're struggling, trying to, and we're hitting our head against the wall, trying the best as we can, but still failing, here God comes and sends his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have life that is everlasting. The one that shed his blood, that covers each and every one of us, that binds us together, that, that fortunately is not us and our, our flesh that God sees, but he sees the blood of Christ when he looks at us. We are washed white as snow because of the blood of Jesus. So if you, if you think you need to follow all these laws, what you're actually saying is that the, the, the blood of Jesus, him giving up his life on the cross, wasn't enough. How dare you? Christ giving up his life on the cross was more than enough, more than we can ever ask or dream or imagine. That's the depth of his love for us. He fulfilled that. He's taking care of it. He paid your penalty on your behalf. All you need to do is follow him. All you need to do is be obedient to him. So, Hebrews 8 and 6 says, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. Hmm. So even though we're not under the old law, it will still do us well to recommit ourselves to following and serving Christ. 
you looked at your life today as we began today? What is your level of fulfillment? Knowing that your fulfillment is tied to your purpose, if you're falling short of what your, your purpose is, then you're going to lack some of that fulfillment. I'm urging you today to, to recommit your life to him. You're not too far gone. You've not done too much to be forgiven. The work is already done. All you need to do is run to the cross. Under the new covenant, we're given the opportunity to receive salvation as a free gift. Ephesians 2 and 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved. Is through faith. And this is not of your own doing, but a gift from God. It's not a result of works, as we just talked about a moment ago. It's not a result of works. Why? Because because you're going to boast if it was up to you. It's all grace. We're able to share Christ's inheritance and enjoy a permanent, unbroken relationship with God because of what he's done for us on our behalf. Matthew 9, or Hebrews, Hebrews 9 and 15, says, Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. We skipped quite a bit here in chapter 10, but I would like for you to go home today and read through all of chapter 10 and look at what the people were willing to do for their God. For all that he had done for them, it's really the least that they could do. If we look at our own lives, for all the things that that God has done for us, it's really the least that we can do. To to, to recommit our lives to him and and just say thank you. The least that we can do is spend 15 minutes a day with, with our Bible open in hand. 15 minutes a day will get you from cover to cover through God's word. 15 minutes about you, but it's easy for me to waste 15 minutes a day. Why don't, why don't we reroute that time and energy and just open up his word? Just, it just takes 15 minutes to get to know the God of the universe. And to know him and to love him, to know his character, we've got to be in his word. This is how he speaks to us through, through his word. It, it just leaps out from this pages and we get to know him at a deeper level. But we can have a relationship with him. How can we follow God if we don't know him? How can we claim to be Christians, Christ followers, if we don't know Christ? So I want you to take some time to read through chapter 10 and really look at what they were willing to do for their God, for all those things that they had to, that, that he had done for them. And then as you look and as you read and you look at your own life, look at all the ways that God has blessed you 
and been there for you. I'm sure everybody, I'm hoping everybody here has testimony after testimony about how God has shown up for them in their lives. About how they were one way and now they're another way because of who God is and what he's done for you. I hope you have that kind of testimony in your life. That you're able to look back and see how far that you've come. It is because of the grace and goodness of God. You're able to look at your family and friends and, and see all the things that God has done that you can give him praise. You can give him some acknowledgement. I, I tell you what, it's not just these, these landmark things that happen in your life. God is at work every moment of every day. And if, we, if we're honest, if we take a look at what's going on in our lives, we have a lot to be grateful for, things that we probably take for granted. Look at all the ways that God has blessed you and been there for you. And the most important thing is that Christ gave up his life for you so that you can be forgiven and have direct access to the Father. It's an amazing I mean, think about it. The God of the universe, we can have a relationship with him through his one and only son. You look at other religions and their faux God is, is out there somewhere, is, is untouchable, is unknowable, but we, we can have an honest Relationship. We can know who God is. He wants to know us. He, he, he wants to be. Not, he's, he's adopted his people into his family. So up and down, right or left, however your life is going right now, it pales in comparison to eternity with our Heavenly Father. So my question to you today is how can you recommit your life. You look at your life today and your level of fulfillment. What is it that you can do to turn back to God? As you read through scripture and see how far that you've strayed, are you willing to sacrifice comfort Or are you willing to sacrifice those things in order to be obedient to God and his word? Once we understand our purpose, Christ has commanded each of us to be disciples who make disciples. As you live out your life, for God and, and his God-given purpose, you'll find more fulfillment in your life. So think again. Think again about the fulfillment that you have in your life. Think about the satisfaction that you've had in your own life. Where are you on that scale from zero to 100? Some may be at 100, like you're, like again, you're firing on all cylinders. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't want to get out of bed either. Sometimes it's a struggle. 
But even through that struggle, remembering who God is and what he's done, that gives you the lift that you need. He, he, he knows you're weak, and he gives you strength to carry on. So when you're, when you're able to, to lift those feet out of bed, when you're able to, to walk in and do all the things that you're able to do, it's because of who God is. It's because of his goodness and his grace. And for that, we should give thanks. I gave you a challenge a month or so ago that, hey, we, we are commanded to, to be disciples who make disciples. And I've heard from many of you, like, you've gone out, it's like, I've, I've got, I got somebody to disciple me, and I found somebody to disciple. Praise God. Thank you. Not for me, but, but for you to, to go and be obedient and to do what God has called you to do. Elevating your purpose, elevating your fulfillment. If you haven't yet, just please do. It's just still time. You might, might say, well, I don't. I'm not smart enough to disciple anybody. You just need to be a step or two in front of the person you're discipling. And you need to find somebody a step or two in front of you to disciple you. And maybe they're not, the person that you, you, you find in your life to disciple, they, they might not even know Christ yet. We can do some pre-conversion discipleship. Some people call it evangelism. So they can get to know you and build a relationship with you and you can be showing the light of Christ in your life. And they, well, what's up with you? Why are you so, why are you the way that you are? I'll tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he's done for me. Let me tell you about what he's done for you. You too can have joy in the midst of sorrow. No life's tough. But there's more to this life than what we're seeing right now. God has this perfect design. And then we try to find our own way, and we just messed it up. And ever since then, we're just, we've been trying to find all these things to, to satisfy and, and, to, and to get to our, our immediate satisfaction, our, our uh, highest point of fulfillment. We find all these different things and couldn't find it, but God knew what we needed. And he sent his son. He sent his son to, to live a life that we could not live one that was perfect and free from sin. And Christ paid the penalty on our behalf so that we can have life. And now, now as we do that, now we can pursue God's perfect plan, his perfect design again, and be made whole. Brothers and sisters, that will, that's what we call the gospel. That's what we call good news. And when you share that, you got to close the deal. You ask them to make a decision. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Will you commit yourself right here, right now, to following Jesus? Hopefully they say yes. They might say no. 
that's okay because you were obedient to do what God called you to do. God called you to share the good news. God called you to be a disciple who makes disciples. Be praying for that person. As I was talking, I'm sure you had a person in mind that you might be able to have this conversation with. Be praying for that person you thought of. And I'm going to ask you, how can you recommit yourself? How can you recommit your life to following God? And when you're doing what God has called for his people to do through scripture, you'll live out your purpose in God's story and make a difference for the kingdom. You matter. You are important. You are part of God's plan for his kingdom. What's the depths of your commitment? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for giving us your word that we can be able to read it and get to know you better and we get to see the examples of your people and how they have followed you imperfectly as it is, just as imperfect as it is for us today. Thank you for this observation and lessons about how we can turn back to you and recommit ourselves and our lives to you. Help us not to take this for granted that of what you've done and how you've been Help us to be grateful and, and thankful for the mercy that you've shown us over the course of our lives. Help us to give you praise and honor the, that you rightly deserve. Help us to know that any comfort that we might seek means nothing in the span of eternity when we stand before you on that faithful day, what each of us hopes to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us to be faithful today. Help us to do what you've called us to do today. Regardless of what it costs us, that we would follow you with all of our being, everything that we have. Father, we thank you for loving us in this special way. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.